Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Hi, this is Jonathan Messenger, and welcome to The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. If you remember in last week's episode, the troop had helped some aliens on the planet Bob bring peace to their village by destroying the Dreamstone and ending the fear that anything they imagined would come to life. But on the trip back to the Marlow, Finn's mother had radioed, saying that aliens had come back onto the space station. Okay, okay, they remember. Let's get on with the show. Bebop, you're usually not so quick to push the story forward. I know, I know, but a lot happens in this episode. There are aliens. Well, of course. It's called The Alien Adventures of Finn Castle. And there are robots. But every episode has robots. And there's suspense and finely honed mystery. Oh, that's really nice of you to say, Bebop. You know, as an author... I like to think of suspense as the brush by which I paint the world. And magic. Well, hold on. There's not really any magic. And talking bushes. What? And a haunted yet emotionally touching canoe ride. There are no canoe rides in this story. Well, I'm just going to keep naming stuff until you start the show already. Tune in for the baby witch whose spells turn everyone into sipping ups. Okay, no. Do not listen to him. Let's just get the show started. Thank you so much for listening. And without further ado, here's episode 8. Voltronics who? When the explorers returned from their mission, they were met at the docking bay by a horde of security personnel who whisked them to the captain's bridge. And as they ran to the bridge, they had to dodge and skirt dozens of engineers all carrying these strange little flashlights all scanning the walls floors and ductwork the devices ticking softly they saw genevieve brooks and lancebot carrying the devices opening doors and peering into windows lancebot waved to elias as they went by top lad unlike the robot room the bridge was open to anyone on the station finn's mother captained the station from here and finn had grown up spending a lot of time eating meals and playing games in some corner of the bridge while his mother worked. There was a little space under the radar station, a nook just the right size for him, Elias, Abigail, and Vale to all squeeze in and pretend they were in a fort firing lasers at bad aliens. But things were different now. The four of them stood on the bridge while Finn's mother silently looked out the wide windows. They weren't there anymore to play and crawl under a station and pretend. They'd actually been on planets now and had to outwit dangerous aliens. I'm sure you all heard the alarms over the radio when I called you in the Explorer's Pod, said Finn's mother. We've since turned them off. Things don't seem quite so dire now, but you all need to know that while you were down on that planet, we detected alien life here on the Marlow. Was it those weird giant sweater-wearing monsters, said Vale? No, said Finn's mother, or... We don't know. She looked over at Elias's mother, who stepped forward. Elias, hun, I know you noticed that I've been working on something over the last week, and I'm sorry that I didn't share it with you until now, sugar dumpling. Sugar dumpling? said Vale. Your mom calls you sugar dumpling? Yeah. So what? said Elias. I'm cool with it. I'm a sweet kid. Anyway, I've been building an alien detection device. Essentially, it scans the Marlowe, looking for life that doesn't quite register as human. That device went off after you left, but we haven't actually found any aliens. I made a smaller, portable version of the device. Oh, those flashlights we saw, said Abigail. 
Exactly. But now the crew has been in every nook and cranny of the ship and hasn't found anything. So it may have been a false alarm. Or it may not have been, said Finn's mother. Whatever was here could have been scared off by the alarms. The truth is, we don't know. There's a lot these days that we don't know. Okay, said Finn. Do you have any more of those alien scanners? We can help search. That's kind of you, Finn, said his mother. But right now, you should all get your rest. Mom, what's going on? Those monsters attacking? Foggy finding that ring? The book going missing from the library? That broken badge I found on the monkey planet? That robot we saw down in the factory that you won't even talk to us about? What robot? said Foggy. That robot was none of your business, and you were not supposed to be in that room, said Finn's mother. Hey, what robot are we talking about here? Elias's mother turned to Finn's. Did they see Voltronics Zoo? Voltronics who now? Finn, now is not the time to discuss this. Please go find your sister, and the two of you should get ready for bed. But mom, this is all so weird. All of this happening at once? Finn's mother put both of her hands on his shoulders. It's always exciting living on a space station, she said. You're just old enough now to see everything going on, and I'm glad you are. We need your keen eyes and your brave heart to help us tackle everything. We need that from all four of you. Elias's mom handed them each a flashlight. Tomorrow, after you've all had your rest, and not tonight, you can go help look. I'll show you how it works. When you turn it on, you will hear this ticking noise. Slow and even means that everything is fine. But if you happen upon something alien... Elias's mother turned to one of the officers on the bridge. Margaret, could you please bring me that fossil from the planet Benbow? The officer walked over with what looked like a frozen bony chicken in her hands. And then, said Elias's mom, as you get closer to an alien, the ticking will speed up a bit. She slowly pointed her arm toward the alien fossil. And when you finally point it directly at an alien... That's an alien right there. That's an alien, all right. Alien, alien over here. Yoo-hoo, alien, everybody, look at the alien. Huh, said Abigail. I did not expect that. Yeah, Elias's mom shrugged. I just wanted to make sure that the reading was very, very clear. So remember, said Finn's mom, bed tonight, searching for aliens tomorrow. Got it? The kids all agreed and shuffled off the bridge. Hi, Finn. Hi, Vale. Grand salutations. It was the twins, Olivia and Olivia again. Have they found the aliens yet? Not that we know of. Not that the adults are really telling us anything anyways, said Vale. So there's been no reconnaissance? No intelligence as to the whereabouts of any aliens aboard the ship? No, said Abigail, yawning. The only strange thing around here is you two. Oh, ha-ha, chuckle, chuckle, laugh, laugh, ha ha said the twins. You are too humorous, Abigail. That is the weirdest laugh I have ever heard, said Vale. Pleasure conversing with you said the twins as they scurried down the hall. The explorers returned to their compartments to get some rest. But that night, Finn could not sleep. And just after midnight, he grabbed his alien detection flashlight, unplugged Foggy, and just like on the night before his birthday, quietly stole out into the hallway. Only this time, he didn't have to wake anyone. Standing there were Abigail, Elias, and Vale. What took you so long? said Vale. Finn smiled. He held up a finger to make sure everyone stayed quiet as they tiptoed away from where his parents and Paige lay sleeping. It was kind of funny, Finn thought. All this time, they had wanted to become explorers to go out onto strange planets. And here they were, exploring their own home, as if it were an alien planet. 
All of their flashlights were ticking slowly as they wound their way through the Marlowe's many hallways. Abigail pointed toward the library, and they all slid in as quietly as they could. None of them had ever been in the library when the lights were out before, but it was no less beautiful for all the starlight filtering in and casting long, dappled shadows among the stacks. The team split up and weaved in and out among the shelves. Guys, I think I have something over here, said Elias. Foggy flew over, and the rest of them ran to reach Elias. But the ticking had slowed down again. He waved his flashlight all around and finally found the spot where the ticking sped up again. It was pointed directly at a shelf against the wall. The explorers all looked at each other and walked slowly in unison toward the shelf. Elias waved the flashlight back and forth, watching for when it slowed down and sped up again, and finally pinpointed where the signal was coming from. There was a book, the binding hanging slightly off the shelf, The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. They all exchanged glances. Foggy reached out and knocked the book off the shelf, and Elias's signal faded. But when he pointed it at the book on the floor, it began ticking quickly again. Wait, is this book an alien? asked Vale. No way, said Finn. My dad read that to me two years ago. They all just stared at the book on the floor, spotlit by Elias's flashlight. Show yourself, alien book! Vale yelled and stomped his foot on it. But all that did was tear the plastic jacket around the book. Jeez, Vale, said Abigail, picking it up off the floor. You really showed that book what's what. Maybe my mom just calibrated these sensors to be a little too sensitive, said Elias. Foggy put the book back on the shelf where it belonged, and they all moved on. They continued through the stacks of books, but the ticking never changed. They made their way back out into the hall and then turned into the tailor shop where the ship's clothes were made or repaired. Finn's flashlight began ticking quickly this time, and they followed its signal over to a hanging rack. Careful, sir. It could be behind those clothes, said Foggy. Go ahead and take a look. Thanks a lot, said Finn. He poked his flashlight in, and even though it was ticking more quickly now, no alien. This is so weird, said Abigail. First the book, then the clothes. What? Hi, Finn. Sweet fancy Oreos, yelled Vale as he jumped three feet in the air. All four troop members dropped their flashlights in fright, but it was only Olivia and Olivia, the twins again. Sorry, we didn't mean to alarm you. We simply heard footsteps and worried that something was wrong. Is everything okay? Everything was fine, said Abigail, until you scared all of us, especially sweet fancy Oreos over there. She pointed at Vale and laughed. It's not my fault, said Vale. Name one time you ever heard the twins walk up behind you. It's like they just float. Gafarhoo, said the twins. Don't be silly. Well, if everything is copacetic, we will retire to our sleeping chambers. What? said Elias. Grand salutations! And the twins ran off. The team picked up their flashlights, poked around among the clothes some more, and then finally decided to give up and go to bed. The next day, the troop was agitated. They were sleepy, irritable, and unsure of what to make of the night before. Were they onto something in the library in the tailor shop? Or were their flashlights just on the fritz? They were eating a silent breakfast in the mess hall when Paige marched in. Finn! Mom was looking for you. Why are you eating breakfast so late anyway? Go down to the robot room already. She's waiting for you. The robot room? Why was Finn's mother waiting for him in the robot room? The four friends and Foggy hustled down into the room. And when they arrived, Finn's mother was standing there with the other parents and an array of engineers. But the kids didn't even look at the parents. They didn't say hello or ask what was going on. They just stared at who was standing in the middle of the room. It was the chrome robot, the beautiful perfect robot Finn had seen the morning of his birthday, before he had met Foggy. Whoa, 
said all four members of the troop at once. Psh, who's that guy? said Foggy. The robot strode forward. I am Voltronic Zoo, and I am pleased to meet you all. Cool, but... And I am sure you were all pleased to meet me. I would be. The universe has not seen the likes of me before. Finn's mother stepped forward. Just a minute, Voltronics. Finn, this is a secret project all of the robot engineers have been working on. The Voltronics Zoo Project. We wanted to make a robot that was... upgraded over our current models. You call that upgraded? Muttered Foggy. I've seen vacuum cleaners with bigger brains than Zoo Face over there. Shh, said Finn. I beg your pardon? I didn't see you there, little one. Are you here to collect the garbage? Foggy nearly jumped through the ceiling. Collect the garbage? I'll have you know I saved the lives of humans. Of course you have, of course you have. Finn's mother stepped forward. Okay now, robots. No need to argue. Foggy, I didn't mean the Voltronic Zoo is better than you. Although I am. I just meant that given the risks the Marlow has faced in the past few weeks, we might need someone a little more tailor-made for battle. Foggy stayed silent. It's okay, Foggy, said Finn. You're my favorite, and it's not like Voltronic Zoo is going to come with us on missions or anything. Actually, Finn's mother said, that's exactly what it means. We can't have you go into these planets that present unexpected danger without some help. But we have Foggy, said Finn. He's awesome. He's literally saved us every single time. But Finn trailed off. He looked over at Abigail, Elias, and Vale. They were all high-fiving and checking out Voltronic Zoo, who raised his arms like a champion boxer, relishing being admired by the kids. You guys, we don't need Voltronic Zoo. We have Foggy, said Finn. Hey, you're the one who was so in love with him when you saw him before, said Vale. Yeah, now you're not the only one with a robot, said Abigail. Finn looked at Foggy, who was staring at his feet. I just didn't know, Finn said to Foggy. I saw him before you, so I just thought- I get it, said Foggy rubbing one of the dents on his side. Finn looked over at the other robot, and Foggy looked so tiny reflected in the chrome barrel chest of Voltronics Zoo. No harm, no foul sport, Voltronics said to Foggy. I'm sure there will be garbage on the next planet for you to pick up. Jeez, you're not very nice, said Finn. What book did you come from? Actually, said Finn's mother, Voltronics Zoo is our first robot who hasn't been given a book. We wanted to see what it would be like if we didn't feed him one, make him a little more independent. Independent? said Foggy. More like he's some buckethead who doesn't read. That's enough, Foggy, said Finn's mother. We have another mission for you all in a week's time. Both robots will be able to travel with you, so you'll be able to take advantage of both robots' skills and abilities. Foggy slinked out of the room. Abigail, Elias, and Vale continued to check out Voltronic Zoo, who opened his wings for them as they oohed and aahed. Finn felt terrible for Foggy, especially now that he knew he wasn't Finn's first choice, but he meant what he had said earlier. The troop was lucky to have Foggy, and if Voltronic Zoo was going to act like that, he didn't really want him on future missions. Finn left the robot room by himself and began walking back toward his compartment, where he thought Foggy might be plugging into the charging station. He passed by the library and saw the door was open. He thought maybe he'd go in and check out Around the World in 80 Days, the book that had fueled Foggy in the first place, so they could read it together. As he walked in, he was surprised to see the librarian wasn't at her desk. He heard a strange rustling and scratching halfway up the stacks. Hello? He said. The noise stopped like someone was trying to hide. He took out his flashlight and it began clicking softly. He made his way up the spiral ramp. 
the ticking of the flashlight picking up speed going faster and faster he started to run through the shelves afraid that whatever was causing the alarm might escape the flashlight ticked faster and faster and he ran to keep up with its beat until he circled halfway up the stacks and the flashlight switched to yelling yep there's an alien right there over here over here now you right there alien over here you hey boy alien 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 definitely not a human and yep, Finn stopped he right peered there, around the stacks and standing now, there about eight there, feet tall with scaly skin a dark green and wide gossamer wings stood some sort of creature that not even the bobs could dream up he stood staring at it as it looked down at his shouting flashlight and growled hi finn grand salutations finn turned around and there was olivia standing there by herself olivia you gotta get out of here grab olivia wherever she is and run don't be so ridiculous said Olivia. Olivia's right there. Finn spun around and looked at the giant flying lizard creature. Grand salutations, Finn, said the monster. Wait, so you're both aliens, said Finn. <whistles> Finn turned around at the noise and suddenly Olivia had been replaced by the same sort of lizard creature, only her skin was a deep orange. Of, of course, course we are, Finn. Finn looked around for a way out, but they were covering both exits on either side of him. And he didn't want to take another dive over the railing. Finn backed up, trying to keep as much distance between himself and the lizard twins. He looked down for something to fight them off, but there was nothing but books. He looked back up and noticed something strange. Olivia, or the giant, scaly, winged, snake-tongued creature claiming to be Olivia, had a book in her hands. The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. The two creatures bared their teeth at them. Or were they smiling? He couldn't tell. Olivia put a sharp-clawed, three-fingered web hand on his right shoulder. Olivia, another hand on his left. It's okay, Finn, they said. We're here to help. All right, hi, this is John the Messenger, and I'm here with my son and editor, Griffin. Say hi, Griffin. Hi, hi, hello. So, Griff, what'd you think of the episode? It was pretty good. Okay, good. And do you think you'll ever give it an upgrade from pretty good to good or great? Or are you just going to stick with pretty good? Pretty good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, when we were driving home from school today, you said you had something you wanted to talk about. What was that? Why did they not just point all the flashlight, like flashlight thingies at Olivia and Olivia? Well, they didn't suspect them of being aliens, number one. And number two, if you remember when they were in the tailor shop and the twins scare them, they all get frightened. They go, ah, and they drop their flashlights. And so that's why they didn't point the uh, flashlights at them. Oh. <laughs> uh, did you have, have any other thoughts or questions about the episode? But there was one thing. I think the beeping started up whenever they were getting near. Near the twins? Yep. Yeah, well, so my thought was that maybe the aliens, the twins, were leaving some sort of alien residue behind or something like that. Because... They found it on the book, right? Yeah. And so maybe they had kind of like licked their finger while they were turning the pages of the book or something. And so that's why the alien detector went off. Any other thoughts or questions? You had a question for me this morning when we were listening to it. Um, are Olivia and Olivia's parents aliens? Well, that's a very good question. And it will all be answered in episode nine of... The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay. All right. So that's it for, uh, I think, our recap of this episode. We have a joke from Henry from New Hampshire. And uh, we're going to play that for you now. Henry is four years old. 
Oh, and this joke actually requires a little bit of setup. We'll post the picture online so you can look at it, but Henry here is referencing the dwarf planets that are on the way far reaches of the Milky Way galaxy. Like Pluto is a dwarf planet, Eris is a dwarf planet. And so I think what he's talking about here is Haumea and uh, Maki Maki. So here is Henry's joke. What did Haumea say to Maki Maki? What? Haumea help you? <laughs> All right, great. Thank you so much to Henry from New Hampshire for that joke. And thank you so much. We got a lot of great art this week. Let me show you the art we got, Griffin. It's really cool. Uh, we got art from Hans in Connecticut. He drew a picture of episode seven with the five-headed Bob and Foggy and Finn, I believe. And then he also drew a picture of the Bob screaming, ah! <laughs> so thank you to Hans for that. Those are awesome. And Bebop is going to consume them tonight for dessert. And then we also got art. <laughs> and then we also got art from Olivia, who's four years old in Spring Creek, Nevada. And she made this painting of Bebop, which is so great. And I'm so excited to put those up. They're going to be up at fincaspian.com. You can check those out in the fan art. And of course, Bebop is going to eat them very soon. And it might be a little weird for him to eat art that also depicts him, but he doesn't seem to mind at all. And, uh, and he's very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. My family is very thankful for that. We're able to save the art on our walls. So thank you so much to Hans from Connecticut and Olivia from Nevada. Both really great art. And, uh, and Bebop is really excited about it. All right, so I think that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening and talking with me about the episode, Griffin. You're welcome. And can you say bye? Bye, bye, bye. All right, thanks, buddy. Once again, thank you all so much for listening and sending in your jokes, your ideas, and your art. The art! The art is once again so stellar. Thank you so much. Special shout out to Hans from Connecticut and Olivia from Nevada for sending in their art. Keep that coming in. Keep the art, jokes, everything coming into earth at fincaspian.com. And thanks to everyone who has left such great reviews in iTunes for us. If you have a second and you feel like it, drop one in there. It really helps in terms of getting word out about the show. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a type drawer media production. Written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the Western Hemisphere. Holy cow, Mark. Congratulations to him on that. The other bed music you heard throughout the episode is by Visager, and we'll have links to their music in the show notes, along with links to the outro music by 8-Bit Ninja, which you're hearing right now. Thanks to Ian Dingman for our cover art, and thanks again for your jokes, your art, your ideas. Keep them coming, and we will see you next week. Wait. So there wasn't a haunted canoe ride? Aw, oh, man. Hi, it's me, Jess. This is a message for all the Six Minutes podcast fans out there. Have you heard? 
There are new episodes in the Six Minutes feed called The Ivan Dispatch. I won't go into details, but Ivan found something. A box containing audio cassettes recorded decades ago, and it looks like they were recorded by Cyrus. If you're a fan and you're not following the show, you may have missed out. Search for Six Minutes and click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't heard Six Minutes yet, what are you waiting for? Search for Six Minutes, start a season one, episode one, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history.